What's up, Freedom Chasers? Join us for this epic story of overcoming financial struggles and burnout so you can learn how to design a business and a life that supports your dreams. So get ready to be inspired by our guests' unwavering determination and discover the power of mindset, systems, and teamwork to help you on your journey pursuing freedom. And we're going to get into it right now. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers Six Figure Strategies Podcast. If you're an agent or an investor yet to hit six figures, this is the show for you. We take a deep dive into strategies to help you achieve the goal of six figures so that you can grow up to seven figures eventually. All right. Welcome, Aaron Bradley, a speaker, trainer, best-selling author, and expert in the real estate industry. Aaron's journey to success has been a roller coaster ride of ups and downs, but she has emerged stronger and more determined to help others achieve their goals from overcoming financial struggles to overcoming burnout. Aaron has the wisdom and experience to show you how to design a business and a life that supports your dreams. She'll inspire you to never give up and never settle. Get ready to learn about the power of mindset systems and teamworks as we dive into pursuing freedom with Aaron Bradley. Aaron Bradley, super stoked to have you here. Um, <laughs> let's thank you, Tim. I'm so I'm so grateful to have this opportunity, and I'm I'm just obsessed with the fact that your intro actually says "Pursuing Freedom," which is the name of my podcast and book. Because I'm like, oh, this is going to be perfect. We're going to get along just great. Well, I intentionally rolled that in for you to make sure that we plugged your book and your podcast because you're bringing the podcast back. So, I mean, we're super excited about that. But let's talk about your sales journey first, because you had mentioned that you kind of fell flat on your face. So so what ended up happening? How did you pick yourself up and turn this into an amazing career? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. I was definitely the hot mess express when I started out way back in 2006. I fell into the mortgage business and very quickly just decided that I wanted to become a 100% commission salesperson as a loan officer because I wanted freedom and flexibility. What we all think when we take the leap from you know abandoning the W-2 because we wanna do what we want, we want freedom. Well, I fell flat on my face. I was absolutely terrified of sales and all the antiquated sales strategies just did not resonate with me. I felt like an alien in the business. I was being told to cold call real estate offices with cookies and rate sheets. And I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm a hard pass on that one. Um, all the cold calling, all the sales stuff, it just, none of it felt aligned for me. And it was really early on that I just felt like, A, you know, fear, fear of being seen as salesy, fear of failure, fear of what people are going to think of me. Um, and as a result, I really had a hard time implementing most of the, the strategies I was being taught because they really felt self-serving. Like I'm supposed to call Tim, who I really enjoy. We're going to have an authentic conversation. We're going to catch up. I'm going to hear how life is for you, Tim, and it's going to be great. And at the end of it, I'm going to ask you for business. And so it always made me feel like I'm throwing an agenda onto something that felt genuine until it didn't. And that was this disconnect for me. Like, do I think I'm going to be good at this? Do I think I can give great service to people? Of course I do. But does that mean I'm a natural born salesperson? Not necessarily. And I just really was having a hard time. So by the summer of 2008, a year into being 100% commission, I literally am $35,000 in credit card debt. I got a referral for a new client. I had not enough money for gas. So I, I had to ride my bike five miles across town in the heat of summer and figure out what I could wear that would look professional 
and also be able to ride a bike. And I got there early to Starbucks and wanted to let the sweat dry off before the client got there and you know caught me red-handed. Well, he caught me red-handed anyway. He got there early as well, unfortunately, and walked up to the counter and introduced himself to me as my credit card was being declined for a $2 cup of coffee. No, no way. Joke. Imagine and the emotions you were feeling there. How embarrassing was that? Paralyzing. And the worst part was that I was just frozen because that was the card I thought might cover a $2 cup of coffee, honestly. So I thought to myself, if I try another card and that one gets declined, then he's going to know the truth. So I just lied. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. It's my debit card. I'm going to have to call the bank. And he bought my cup of coffee. And I remember just feeling so mortified and like such a failure. And I called my dad for advice because he had gone 100% commission in his 20s. And he basically said to me, do you think you're going to be good at this someday? And I said, I think I could. And he said, then you do whatever it takes and just don't give up. And so out of desperation, I did whatever it takes. I opened probably more credit cards. You know, the funny thing is, and this is kind of counterintuitive for a lot of people, is that here I was, 35 grand in credit card debt, feeling like a failure. And I had every excuse in the book not to go and hire a coach or invest in myself and start reading books and attending workshops and paying for online courses, but that's exactly what I did. So it was for me out of desperation. I wish more people would do those things out of decisiveness and determination right out of the gates. Because what I found very quickly was that by hiring the coaches and attending the workshops and beginning to read those books that, you know, family members were making fun of me for reading all these self-help books. But I tell them now, and I told them then, like, these are my teachers. And if I can if I can learn from someone who's ahead of me in the game and get there faster, then if I'm on chapter one and they're on chapter 10, well, maybe I can get to their chapter 10 by my chapter four because I'm willing to learn from them. And so I just started doing that and I started doing whatever it takes. And if I'm honest, I got some traction and I got to a level of sustainability, but it was a few years of feeling still like something was missing because I was willing to do whatever my coach told me to do, whether it felt good or not. And there were just certain aspects of the sales process that just didn't feel good. They just felt really self-serving. But because I needed the money and I needed the deals, I was willing to check the boxes. And what I've learned in hindsight is that that's fine if you want things to be fine. But if you want things to be awesome, it's much better to build the business of you and unlock the truth within you of who are you? What sets your soul on fire? What stages of life have you been through? What are you passionate about? What stresses you out? And then find a way to build a tribe who has similar hopes and dreams, stresses, et cetera, and find a way to add value above and beyond what you get paid to do. And I learned the fundamentals of that from a book called The Go-Giver, which I read in 2011. So imagine it's like 20, 2008, I'm riding my bike to the client meeting. And for the next three years, I'm fine. I'm just getting by, but I'm still like, do I belong in this line of work? You know, this just doesn't feel right to me. And then I read The Go-Giver and phew, life changed. I thought to myself, this, I can get my head around. I, if, I, if my only mission every day is to be of value to every person I meet, and I can table my agenda for the minute, for a minute, just put aside what I need. My, my I need money, I need deals or whatever. I, I'm, I'm paralyzed in fear. Just put my stuff aside for a minute and make it about you, Tim. When I call you, I actually want to know what's going on with you and I want to be a value. And I don't care if you need my services today. I'm just calling because I want to figure out what you actually do need today. All of a sudden, everything changed and my business more than doubled overnight. 
And in 2012, I was working 24 seven. I had gone from averaging, you know, 30 some transactions a year to doing 80. I was pregnant with my second child. I nearly quit the business. I did not feel that this was freedom and flexibility. So it was interesting because the tides turned so quickly from I'm hungry and I'm stuck in self-doubt and limiting beliefs and out of alignment and feeling like a weirdo to I'm experiencing financial success at the expense of my energy, my ability to be present with my loved ones, my happiness was beginning to become the bottleneck. And it was hard because I, I almost left the business because I just felt like neither one of these represents the vision of freedom and flexibility I had when I took that leap of faith. But amidst all of it, I, I had started teaching this process that worked for me to uh, real estate agents. And up until then, no joke, <laughs> this is how pathetic I was at sales. Every mortgage lender is being trained to go chase realtors, right? Absolutely. I was working the business the way realtors were being trained to do. And I was working my sphere and my database. And so as I started meeting agents through transactions and getting to know them, I started to realize that this fundamental issue of having fear, feeling overwhelmed, feeling exhausted, stressed, self-doubt, et cetera, does not make us special. It just makes us human. And so as I started to realize that all human, there's many, many human beings that are passionate about the service they want to provide to their clients. And there, yet there can be this disconnect between wanting to provide value and figuring out how to find clients. And we're not all natural born salespeople in the old school way of thinking. And so I started teaching that strategy that I had kind of applied specifically within our real estate space. And I saw results for others and that work became a workshop and that kind of led to the book Pursuing Freedom, which I just put into a little book to help people kind of build a business by referral without feeling salesy. Be yourself, be authentic, have more fun and watch your business grow as a byproduct of the impact you make on the hearts and minds of the people you care about on a daily basis. And it just works. And it's been, it's been a fun ride ever since. And, you know, it led to me having to scale my business so that I didn't leave it and then teaching others how to do that. And um, it kind of evolved into my motto, which is the goal is to build a life you don't need a vacation from. And how can you organize a business and reorganize it over time as you evolve to ensure that you don't compromise that passion for freedom and flexibility and that you embrace abundance because there is no freedom without financial freedom. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the long and short. I mean, along the way we were, we were buying inexpensive properties that we were accidentally holding on to. And I joke that we became accidental real estate investors and, and uh, then we became more intentional real estate investors. And um, just a couple months ago, I was able to retire myself from the mortgage business after 17 years to focus solely on helping others and this journey of, of building a life you don't need a vacation from. It's such a beautiful model, building a life that you don't need a vacation from. Somebody else said it to me in, in slightly different terms. He's like, build a life that you don't want to retire from. It's like retirement shouldn't even need to be on the table. Just build a life that you love so much that you do it forever. So there's so many parts of your story I needed to dive deeper into. In particular, getting declined for that cup of coffee in front of a client. It actually reminds me of a friend of mine's story. Um, he was trying to get his his future wife out for a date for so long, it took months. He finally got her out there and he got declined for like a $4.68 cup of coffee. And he said that that was his why. So like he had that written down, like $4.68, this is never gonna happen again. Like you had mentioned 
how important it is to find your why and figure out what you're truly trying to build for yourself. So when you're working with a client, how do you help define what the why is and then kind of get them in going in the right direction? Because I think that's almost the most important part. Sure. Well, I mean, when you say client, I can think of mortgage clients. I can think of coaching clients. I can think of just about anybody. I'm Ultimately, with your coaching clients in particular sure, the so, that you've worked with. So I teach a very specific process for lifestyle and business design. And it, it stemmed from way back in 2013. I was in a mastermind group with a bunch of realtors, a couple lenders, and they told us to bring our business plans to the December meeting. And I had never done a business plan, which if you've never done a business plan, don't feel bad because that was like my seventh year in the business and I still had never done one. And I didn't know how to either. And frankly, I had never set any specific goals, embarrassingly, because I didn't have the belief that I had any control over the outcome. I was just kind of winging it and hoping for the best. And I was sitting next to this really amazing top producing real estate agent and you know president of the local association of realtors and everything. I'm like, hey, can I see your business plan? <laughs> and he hands me this 15 page detailed plan with, you know, the number of buy sides and sell sides and his marketing budget and his marketing calendar and all the things. And I'm like, cool, I'm just going to kind of copy that, but put in my own information. And so sure enough, I do. I create a business plan. It's super extensive and detailed. And what happens? It ends up in a drawer in my office, never to be seen again. And so the following year in 2014, my business had remained flat. So I was going into 2015 and I, I thought to myself, what do I really want? You know, of course I want growth in my business and financial, but I want to, I want to live an epic life. I want to make an impact on others. I want, I want the success of my business to create opportunities for others as I grow my team and help this business transform their lives. And so I came up with this idea of a one page plan. And I realized that the biggest issue between getting your goals from your heart to a piece of paper is the head in between. So your heart might say, oh my gosh, I'm looking at what, what Tim's done and it would be amazing to start a podcast or it would be amazing to do that kind of volume or whatever. And then your head goes, but but that's not realistic, but that's, that's gonna take too much time and sacrifice. But, and so your butt gets in the way of your hopes and dreams ever having a voice from your heart. And that chatter is loud up there. And so I teach, a, before I can tell somebody like, hey, give me your goals and I'm gonna help you work on what to do and what boxes to check, we back into it by doing a reflection process with some very specific questions that help to expose your truth. So for example, what are the three greatest happenings of your last year? And when your three greatest happenings might be financial and business related, it might mean that that's your truth and that your primary goal should be anchored in the business and financial because there's a real emotional connection to you there. Somebody else might say that the greatest happenings of the last year were all experiential, the trips that they took or the time off from work, unplugged, et cetera, um, connection with family and friends, which means that when we set your goals, we need those goals to be anchored in the experiences that the money can afford you because not everybody has a tangible relationship with money where there's an emotional connection. And what I see in our industry far too often is that the managers and the coaches and the mentors, they want you to tell you, tell them your volume goal and your income goal right away. But if there's no emotional connection, 
for the human being to that outcome, it, it just, it's dead in the water. You could say, I wish I could earn a million dollars, but if you don't have an emotional connection to money, it doesn't take you, it doesn't like trigger any new activity to create different results. Whereas if you say, I want to spend a month in Europe with my family and I know I need to make X and I know I need to have a team member or a friend in place to cover my business to make that happen, your why is so real and so tangible and so emotional. Yes, you still need to know your numbers. But so we kind of back into the goal setting process so we can really unlock your truth within you. Like, how are you wired? What's your actual DNA like? And what is, what excites you? And then we can start to build a business plan around who you are at your core. And the key here is that once we come up with the plan and you start getting into activity, it's not about lead gen per se. Like, yes, we talk about leads. We talk about conversion ratios. We need to know your numbers, all that kind of stuff. But when you actually go to engage with your community, it's in a way to provide value in the way they need it with your agenda tabled. And then you'll see that you find yourself in flow, having fun making an impact in a positive way on the people you care about. And suddenly your business seems to grow out of the blue. It's the same exact thing that happens when someone goes on vacation and their business pops. And everybody's like, oh, why does this always happen? I'm going on vacation and all of a sudden I have all these new deals going. Well, that's because your energy is high, your vibration is high, you're anticipating, you're excited, you're planning. We can actually orchestrate that even when you're not going on vacation. That's why I say the goal is to build a life you don't need a vacation from. When somebody's feeling stuck and they're feeling unmotivated or not in the mood to go do the things they need to do to get the deals, my advice is actually figure out what would be fun for you and go have some fun today and then come back and talk to me. We need to shift the energy within you. We need to turn the light on so that when you do engage, you're bringing the highest energy, most magnetic version of yourself to every interaction. And then the business seems to grow out of the blue. It's not out of the blue. Like that's the strategy. It's just, it's just kind of backing into it a different way than the way we're typically taught. Absolutely. And I'm totally in alignment with you. Like me and my partner, we talk about ROE a lot. Like a lot of people talk about return on time, return on investment. We, we talk about the return on energy. It's like when we spend time with this person, do we come back more energized than when we started or do we come back less energized? Because the more energy, energized you are, rather, the, the more you're going to take the actions that are necessary to grow your business, essentially. You're not doing things that you're forcing you to be super, super 100% uncomfortable, as you mentioned, You're, the sales process that is taught, you never really liked it. But once you learned that providing value and simply providing value over a long enough time frame is still going to build your business, all of a sudden, everything changes. And I love, love, love how you were talking about getting somebody to emotionally identify with their goals instead of just looking at that monetary figure, because that monetary figure is not going to drive most people. Um, like you get to a certain amount of money and then money is not the driving factor. Fulfillment is. So being able mm -hmm. to, to switch that and, and being able to identify what makes you fulfilled. Um, I'm just, I'm loving how articulate you are in, in, in um, orchestrating all these thought patterns. Like <laughs> you just broke it down so simply. I'm just loving it. Well, I will say one thing is that I, I tell people, be careful the stories that you have about what you're admiring and what you're aspiring to, because there's a twofold part to this is that number one, we often have a tendency towards comparisonitis, especially in the society we live in now with social media and everything else, right? 
I mean, the reel that you see could be the 27th take. So you're going to see the most finished, most polished, most perfect version that the creator feels is ready for camera ready and ready to share with the world. Um, but when you're admiring someone for their success, their financial success, there's an incredible book called The Gap and the Gain. And you and I were talking about who, not how before, the, before we started recording. And The Gap and the Gain is written also by Benjamin Hardy. It's a fantastic book. But he talks about how he had achieved all this external success and he was still feeling unfulfilled. And this idea of the, the moving of the goalpost, right? Because when we start out, we don't always feel confident. We typically have no idea what we're capable of. And so when we achieve and we reach new milestones externally, we celebrate for a moment and then we think, well, if I could do that, what else could I do? And we keep moving that goalpost. And most people are unhappy because they're living in a state of unfulfillment because they're always striving. There's never enough. And I've seen people that are earning at a very high level and on the outside looking in, they're crushing it. They're, their life is amazing. Everything looks awesome. They're epic vacations. And behind closed doors, they tell me in tears, grown men and women, that they spent the entire trip in Turks and Caicos or wherever, you know, working and arguing with their family members because they need to do the work because they provide and, and they're not happy. So be careful what you're admiring. Are you admiring an external result that is not actually fulfilling what's going on inside? Because so many of us feel that when things don't feel quite right inside, we, we can just, we're so adept at convincing ourselves to suck it up. We're so lucky. How lucky am I to have all this business? But I'm working 24 seven and I'm drowning and I'm exhausted and I'm never mentally and emotionally present even when I'm in the same room with you. But it's fine, it's fine because I'm so lucky. But again, it's like, is it fine or can it be awesome? And then the other thing to be careful of is like, if you're feeling fear, you know that feeling that, that call anxiety. Like everyone has been giving, you have the fundamentals, you've been to the trainings, they tell you who, how many calls to make and how to time block and when to write the notes and when to do the things and see the people. And yet when it comes time to check those boxes, there's this resistance. It's just fear, right? And you look at somebody else who's maybe on, like I said, that chapter 10 and you're on chapter one and you think to themselves, well, it must be nice. The three worst words in the English language <laughs> must be nice. And like, it looks easy for them. It's like, no, you have no idea what happened, what ensued between their chapter one and their chapter 10. And there's not a single human being on the planet that doesn't experience fear. That does not make you special. It just makes you human. So there's no one you admire or has achieved something you desire that doesn't have fear. And the only difference between you and the life you want to have is a decision. So when somebody creates a certain level of success in their business or a certain number of rental properties, or they go on these vacations or whatever it is, right? They made a decision to create that outcome for themselves in spite of their fear. And then they got to work and they probably fell down on their face and they get up and they keep going and they keep trying and they keep failing and they keep going, right? So there's not, there's nothing that's not available to all of us. It's just, are we willing to make a decision that in spite of my fear and insecurity, I've decided to create this outcome. It might be, feels like a pipe dream, but I've decided to do it. And I have no idea how, but I have faith the path will unfold if I just get started.
Absolutely. And that's that's kind of why this phrase that I like to say a lot, like ignorance on fire will beat knowledge on ice 10 times out of 10, because taking the actions is going to teach you far more than reading any book or going to any conference is ever going to teach you because you're learning by actively doing it. And yeah, unfortunately, we're all going to make mistakes. That's part of the process, but that's part of success. Nobody made it to where they want to be without failing. Failing is actually amazing because you'll learn more from your failures than you'll ever learn from your successes. Like if I lost $15,000 on a flip, guess what? I could tell you 20 reasons why. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. um, totally. So, I mean, it's just part of the journey. Unfortunately, failure is actually a wonderful thing. Like I like to look at it as there's two things in life. There, there's winning and there's learning. There's no, there's no failure. It's just, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. And let's be clear. 2008 wasn't the only time I fell flat on my face many times oh. since like, now I'm just like, oh, well, there I go again. Screwed that up. <laughs> Learned something new. Off we go again. You know, there's no arrival where it's not a, there's not any fear. There's not any, you know, challenges or hurdles to overcome. But if you want to have the epic life, you just decide I'm going to have an epic life. I have no idea how, but I'm going to do it. And chances are things are going to crack along the way and you're going to keep on going and you'll be just fine. Well, that's the most important part, though, is you need to know that you're going to be fine and that there is a solution to any problem, no matter what the problem is. Like you mentioned, you had like $35,000 in credit card debt. And guess what? You doubled down. You got some more credit card debt and you got a coach. But I imagine you solved that problem. So you have to have the confidence that you could solve any problem. And there is a solution to any problem. Every single problem out there has a solution, no matter how difficult and how overbearing it seems. Well, I will share one thing because you just said you have to have the confidence. And sometimes when someone's listening and they're thinking to themselves, well, I don't, I just don't have the confidence. So what do I do now? And I heard this really beautiful thing. I don't remember when or where, but this woman said, um, sometimes you have to borrow the belief you see in others. And sometimes you have to borrow the belief they see in you. In other words, you might have a coach or a mentor or just even a colleague and you you sometimes look at what they're doing and you think I could never do that. And so sometimes you have to borrow the belief they see in themselves. And then sometimes you have a coach or a friend or a mentor that just says, you've got this. And even when you're not sure and you don't feel confident, you can borrow the belief they see in you and just go for it. And you'll never wake up camera ready. It all feels awkward when you're growing. Um, but one of my other favorite quotes is that it's when you step outside your comfort zone that you can see that it wasn't all that comfortable. And so when people are feeling that lack of confidence, they're feeling stuck and they're playing small because they don't want to put themselves out there. I would wager that's not very comfortable. You know, staying stuck and playing small isn't comfortable because you know, deep down inside you're meant for more. So then you get outside the comfort zone and you start to experience transformation and unlimited opportunity that is out there waiting for you. And you look back and you're like, dang, no, it was not more comfortable when I was riding my bike to the client meeting because I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> didn't want to do anything they were telling me to do. <laughs> riding. Well, it's funny because in retrospect, a lot of the things that you did that made you super uncomfortable and you were totally outside of your comfort zone, when you look back on it, you're like, oh, that was all easy. Um <laughs> Yeah. It's like, that wasn't even hard. I didn't die. Nobody made fun of me. I'm still here. I'm still standing. Yeah. I, I love how you mentioned like being on camera too, multiple times too, because people have such a, a massive fear about it. 
And, and guess what? Like, I'm still afraid sometimes. I, I put reels out there that I'm not proud about all the time still. I'm just like, you know what? Done is good enough. I'm just going to put it out there and we'll see what happens. You know, sometimes I'll do one that I don't like at all. And then I'll put something funny in there. Like, <laughs> there was this point I did in the other day and it was like, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to run into problems. So I just put a little dude running into fire and then screaming because I didn't like the rest of the video, but I thought that was funny. So I was like, all right, that made me laugh. Now I'm going to release it. <laughs> Sometimes like, well, just make it fun. You know, like you. the other thing is so, two things. Once someone on my podcast, I asked her years ago, and this is when, you know, video was just really starting to ramp up, but it was still very, you know, beginning phases. And I'm like, how did you get the confidence? How did you rip the bandaid off and put yourself in front of camera? And she goes, well, if you're a real estate agent, your clients are eventually going to see your face and hear your voice and choose to speak, I mean, to work with you in spite of it <laughs> or not. So wouldn't it be nice to let people vet us before we ever have that awkward interaction. Like if they look at my Instagram videos and they're like, oh my God, she's so annoying. <laughs> then perfect. We don't ever have to talk and I don't ever have to feel your energy that you find me annoying because I will probably pick up on that. <laughs> so that's one piece. And then the other thing is the story I tell myself is that nobody's watching. Nobody's really listening anyway. And if my message today could help one person then shame on me for playing small. And when I go to pick up the phone and I go to call Tim to check in and see how he's doing and I really wanna know how he's doing and I know he doesn't need to buy or sell a house and I don't care if he has a referral for me today, I'm calling to check in on Tim and I'm holding back. It's because I'm thinking too much about myself. If I get serious about how I can help Tim wherever he is in life, and I can help him, and I'm holding back on calling him, shame on me for playing small. It's ridiculous. So just get out of your head, lighten up a little bit, and go help somebody today. Get out of your head, lighten up a little bit, go help somebody, and have a little bit of fun while you're doing it. Like, that was one of my favorite things I was reading on, on your guest thing. It's like, I think anything is possible, and it's fun to experiment with the game on life. Where did you come up with that one? I don't know. I mean, some of my programming for sure stems from, I lost several really good friends at a very young age, um, five before the age of 23. And I do remember very, I was lucky enough to have some kind of grief therapy in the high school I was at around that stuff. It was pretty crazy in a small town. It was a lot of young people uh, spread out through different types of losses. But I do remember feeling like I have a choice. I can either have this cliche. I mean, when you're, you know, 18 years old and you're at your third or fourth funeral with the exact same people at the exact same church or whatever, it's like, what are we doing here again? How is this possible? How is this, how could this be? And, you know, people say life is short, life is short. You know, you got to live it up because you never know how much time you have here. And, and then that mantra passes quickly and people get back into their routine and I remember thinking to myself, you've got two options. You can either think that basically the world is a dark place and that only bad things happen, or you can truly embrace that philosophy that you have no idea how much time you've got. So why not? Why not now? And, you know, kind of if not now, when became my philosophy. So, you know, when I talk about experimenting with the game of life, it's like, oh, I, I always wanted to have a condo in the mountains. We live in Colorado. I was running my business in Denver. 
I always wanted to have a, you know, a condo in the mountains, maybe on a 10 year plan. Well, why not now? And when you say, why not now? It's crazy how the path unfolds. Your brain will start to see solutions. And so we bought that condo in the mountains. And then we were here every weekend in the ski town. And I, and I remember talking to my husband about how we'll move here when the kids grow up and when they graduate high school, but our oldest was in kindergarten and I had dinner with him one night and I was like, you know, there's no guarantees. We don't know how long we'll even be here. So if we want to do this, what's the worst case scenario of trying it now? And we went through all the reasons why you could never, I could never, how could, how could I possibly, I have my business in Denver and you know, all the reasons why you can't. And it's like, well, how could we try What if we tried it? And so then the, the path starts to unfold. And what's the worst case scenario of trying something really uncomfortable and scary? Typically, the worst case scenario is exactly where you are right now, which is probably just fine. It's not typically that catastrophic. And so we moved to the ski town. My business ended up growing in this place where it was like 50-50 Denver in the mountains. And then and it just kind of continued from there. COVID happened and we thought school is a nightmare. What if we just homeschool them and go on a six month RV road trip. Well, I could never, how could I ever, you know, my business will fall apart. So, well, what's the worst case scenario? At this point I can implement everything I know and I can grow the business again. So we went and the business grew, you know, like it's crazy what happens when you chase joy and you listen to your heart in spite of your fear, which is really just your head being louder than your heart and just try. You can always pull the plug on something if it's not working and go back to where you are right now. Absolutely. And even if it doesn't work out, you're going to come back a better person for trying anyway. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. I mean, I read the four hour work week a bunch when I was younger. Yeah, me too. One of the things that stuck with me was this idea of like, why would you slave away and work until you're 65 when you, A, you don't even know if you're going to make it that long. And B, even if you do, then like, are you really going to enjoy all the things you would love to enjoy right now? And he said, life should be a series of mini retirements. And so that's kind of the game we've been playing is how do we create a lifestyle that feels like a vacation and where every day, I mean, I ski almost every day. So, and on the days where I'm wound up and anxious and thinking, I can't, I can't, I've got to do work. I got to go work. It's like, no, you got to go play. Cause then that energy that you bring into your work is far more magnetic and high vibe than the energy you bring in when you wake up every day and say, what should I do today to grow my business? What could I do today? Like, oh, I'm just not in the mood. It's like, then go light yourself up, do something fun and watch what happens with the rest of your day. It can be in flow. It's awesome that way. I absolutely love that. I was talking with my doctor just yesterday and he's like, man, I, I feel like I'm always so busy. And then when I'm not busy, I'm stressed out. And it's like, I could totally relate to that. It's like, for some reason, when I'm not busy, my brain is just like, I'm supposed to be doing something right now. So what would you tell to somebody that is experiencing that? Because I'm sure you talk to people with that same experience all the time. Yeah. And it's funny because I think that we have this built-in programming that stems from that inner, younger version of ourselves, not inner child, but like a younger version of ourselves where especially if someone's been in the business a long time, is that you start out, you have no idea what, what you're capable of. Eventually you start to experience some success. Maybe you start to feel out of balance, out of whack. And then you start riding this roller coaster. Like I have my best month ever. I hit my head against my ceiling of capacity and I'm overwhelmed. And so I tell myself it's fine and I'll just suck it up until my business slows down, which basically means you're asking your business to slow down and then it will. And then it slows down and you cannot feel comfortable in the slow time. 
because it's feeding the fear you had before that this is not sustainable. It's not predictable. When in fact, it absolutely is. It's just that when you hit your head against the ceiling of capacity, it's time to rethink the way you're doing your business because you've already exceeded the expectations of what you had when you were getting started. Does that make sense? So the first thing I tell people is I don't care if you're burning out or you're slow with your business. If you're feeling this compulsion to check your email, check your social, check more boxes, but you're doing it from an empty well. And I mean like, like energetically, emotionally, and mentally, if your light is extinguished, which can easily happen from within your own self-doubt, but it can also happen because you just had a stressful phone call that's, or an argument with a toddler. <laughs> like somebody can, somebody can dim your light really fast and just take the wind out of your sails. And a lot of times what people do is they're sitting there with this extinguished light and they think that the way to fix it is to go do more. And I think it's the opposite. I think it's time to pause, shut off the phone and give yourself what I call a me block. And a me block is where you take at least one hour, if not two, ideally several days a week to just unload everything that's on your brain. Like get a journal and write it all out. Like get everything out of your head, your worries, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, write it all out on a piece of paper. Pick up a book that can give you some inspiration and new ideas and start to shift you into a state of hope and excitement. Write things that down that are you're grateful for so you can activate the feeling of pride and accomplishment and how far you've come. And from there, you can start to get new ideas. The, the path can begin to unfold, but creativity does not come when you're on a hamster wheel speeding with no direction. Creativity and new ideas and the next right step typically arises within the silence. And so I tell people, create the pause. Like the pause will happen where you create it. When people say, I don't have time, what it means is that you don't have priorities. It means that I always say that busyness is laziness because it means you're not willing to discern what's most important today. And sometimes what's most important is you putting on your oxygen mask. And that's a really hard thing for people to do. And I challenge people in my like classes and my workshops and stuff. I'm like, a hundred percent of the people in this room are capable of shutting off your phone and turning off the, like just putting it away when you're meeting with a client. Like, I mean, even right now, Tim and me are not multitasking on our phones because it would disrupt our ability to have a, a great engagement here. And so when you're with your client, you have a listing appointment or whatever, you're showing property, Maybe I shouldn't say showing property because you know you're checking at the red lights and multitasking, <laughs> but let's just say you're sitting with a client. You're, you don't have any guilt or you don't feel apologetic when you come out of that meeting because you were offline for an hour or two. You pick up where you left off and you move on. So why is it so hard to do that for ourselves? I mean, how often do you make an appointment with yourself and honor it and shut off the distractions without guilt and without excuse and without apology. You are the business owner. You became self-employed because you wanted freedom and flexibility. If your life doesn't look like what you envisioned when you started, it's on you. And if you're not willing to pause and figure out what's going on inside, and just you think you're just gonna keep on plugging away and just keep on chasing, keep on striving, you're a passenger on a speeding train going off the rails. You gotta get in the driver's seat and there's no way to do that without creating a pause. I personally have a me block every single day for two hours. And 
Mondays are for me. I don't take appointments on Mondays. I don't take appointments on Fridays. Those are just some loose boundaries to lead with. If I want to make an exception to the rule, it's up to me to make the exception. But if you've never written the rules, who writes the rules for you? You're the boss of you for a reason because you didn't want a boss, but you're not willing to write any rules and you're not willing to take any time alone and you're not giving yourself permission for self-care or fun or adventure. It's like, well, no wonder it feels like a grind. No kidding. Um, Aaron, what does a me block typically look like for you? These two hour periods that you put in every day? Well, it's a, it's evolved over time. When, when the kids were younger and I was working 24 seven, someone gave me the miracle morning for real estate agents, the book. And I remember I wanted to smack him. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to wake up earlier. <laughs> Mike, I had like a two-year-old and a five-year-old or something. I'm like, they, they're my alarm clocks. And they're also like climbing on me half the night. It's just depending on the day. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to wake up earlier. But I did because I was desperate. And I started waking up earlier, um, like 30 minutes to an hour before they woke up. And that decision and that sacrifice, if you will, shockingly, within a few weeks, I had more energy, focus, clarity, enthusiasm than I had before when they were my alarm clock. Because when they were my alarm clock, I rolled right into doing and reacting. And then I... I typically would roll right into the office and right into the demands of the job. So there was no pause. So there was the only place I could put a pause back then. Or so I thought. But then it kind of evolved because in 2020, when we went on the six-month RV road trip, we were in this tiny little RV. It was a terrible decision. The vehicle was not the right vehicle. Let me just say that. But it was fun. And if I got up before then, everybody would wake up. And I didn't want that. So I would wait till everybody got up and then I would go take two hours to myself. And what it looks like is I do the guided meditation on the Calm app, the Daily Calm. I'm not great at meditating. I am a high energy, like speeding kind of person. So, um, but I just, I don't know. I sit there in silence and I allow my brain to wake up naturally. And then I read affirmations around that affirmations that I write about the life I want to experience and the person I want to become and, and be. And then I'll write things that I'm grateful for. And then I'll just kind of free write. I, like I said before, I'll write down what's on my mind. If I'm stressed, I'm tired, or I'm excited, whatever. I just kind of get it out of my head because that clears my mind to process. And then I read something. And usually by the time I'm done that process, I'm moving into like, creative ideas, marketing ideas. Um, and who, it's funny when you're doing the, the process, you'll, you'll notice ideas come to your brain. And I used to try to block out those thoughts, like, shut up, I'm brain, I'm trying to do my affirmations. <laughs> and then I realized that that's how it works. When you put attention on things, it opens that part of your brain, the reticular activating system that makes you notice people and opportunities and relationships and things that have and some cases are already in your in your sphere or in your like line of sight. And it's just sort of like then the work that I do, the calls that I make, whether it's like sales calls or whatever it might be, it comes from a place of inspired action rather than a place of need. And that is the that's like the juice, that's the magic sweet spot. When you can truly feel that when you make that appointment or you make that call or whatever it is that you're going to do today, that you're doing it because you're inspired to connect with this person because you genuinely want to know how they're doing without any need, you find yourself in activity. There's a snowball effect because when you find out how you can help somebody, 
it triggers you to make another call. It triggers you to have that action item. And then that creates more engagement and more conversations and more action items. If your only goal is to be a value and you're deeply curious about how you can help somebody, there's no limit to the amount of engagement that can follow. That is without question. And that's like a perfect mic drop to end this one. Aaron, this has been absolutely tremendous. If the audience wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do so? Sure. So you can follow me or message me on Instagram at Pursuing Freedom Official. You can email me, Aaron at PursuingFreedom.com. And then there's tons of free resources. If, um, if anybody is growing a real estate or mortgage business on the website, PursuingFreedom.com, there's a free ebook on how to triple, quadruple your referrals in 90 days without feeling salesy. It's kind of like the cliff notes of the book, but that's, there's just tons of free stuff you can download there to help you get organized and help you get clear on the life you want to live and then figure out how to design your work experience to power the life. Absolutely. There you have it. Everybody out there pursuing or chasing freedom. I highly encourage you to go check out that website and get that free thing. Cause I'm going to, it sounds amazing. I'm going to take a look. Um, to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So I'm going to give you an assignment here. Creativity comes from silence. So why don't you go out there and give yourself two hours of me time? Do it at least once next within the next seven days. Tell somebody you know that could help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.